Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up to date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. I'm going to ask you about Fashion Week. So it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is coming to the close of New York Fashion Week. Only three more Fashion Weeks to go. Oh, and Shoma, I'm already exhausted. Are you surviving? I'm already exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> this is The Run Through. I'm Choma Nardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. Today, we're joined by two of our favorite colleagues. So welcome, guys. We're very excited to have you at the heels of uh, New York Fashion Week. Hello. Yeah. I love this. I feel like delicious dish on SNL. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I'm Laya Garcia Furtado, and I'm the senior fashion news editor at Vogue Runway. And Jose Criales Unzueta. Period. You ate that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I am the fashion news writer at Vogue Runway. I mean, where should we start? Maybe we should start with Pharrell being announced as the Louis Vuitton creative director. What are everyone's thoughts? So unexpected. I mean... There were rumors. Mm-hmm. Tell us the rumors. That it was going to be maybe Martine Rose, yeah. whom we love, or even Grace Wills Bonner, whom we also love. Mm. And that seemed very exciting. Yeah. And this is a different kind <laughs> of excitement. Not, I'm ex- Personally, I'm excited. Are I, you? Okay. I'm always excited when people outside of my other, my friends outside of fashion are texting me furiously because it means that there's like cultural impact. And I think mm-hmm, that... Mm-hmm. If, if like, you know, Pharrell's track record is anything to go by, he will bring in creatives, you know, black and brown creatives who will okay. kind of energize the house. I think the show is going to be an, an amazing event. And um, a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't, a you know, a young, unknown name or a, a, a name no, not known outside of the fashion world. But, you know, I think Pharrell um, is actually going to bring some energy and some pizzazz, and also hopefully a lot of fresh new creative talent. So that's my two cents. Well, to that point, um, my husband's old boss, sorry, former boss, he's not old, um, (laughs) is an avid listener of the pod, knows nothing about fashion, (laughs) texted me yesterday being like, I would like a breakdown of why Pharrell, who I understood to be a musician and producer, is qualified to design Louis Vuitton. So if Pete is asking me that... I feel like it. people are really wondering. And, I mean, he does have some I mean, qualified. Yeah. I mean, he was the first person to collaborate with Chanel. The first right. person. You know, and you would never expect it to be a man. But I think Carl saw in him someone who was a forward thinker, someone who took risks, someone who'd really enjoyed fashion from the inside out. Um, and I think that's really important. I think, you know, often we talk about, you know, the fact that we want, We want a designer who really enjoys clothes and we want women to be dressing women. I also think this is a point of like he knows that customer. Mm -hmm. He's he's been hired as a creative director. He is, you know, it's it's a kind of a different task than being someone who's nuts and bolts designing. He's not pinning the muslins. He's not pinning the muslins. He's not sketching anything either. No, so it's gonna be about vision, mood, vibe. And I think he's gonna be an incredible vibe master at I mean, oh, vibe mask. Yeah, yeah. he is a vibe mask. And I master. think the thing is, like, he is such a fashion oracle when it comes to menswear, right? Like, the way he's, and Chanel is a good example, the way he used to wear, like, pearl. Like, he was the first one that started wearing pearls, right? Like, that's the reason. 
I mean, there's a reason why he was the face of the new masculinity issue that GQ did right? yes. back in the day, Good right? Point. Good point. He is sort of like, he has brought in a lot of freshness to menswear in the landscape. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because LV with Virgil had become like this cultural powerhouse, right? That existed beyond fashion. Virgil Abloh, who was the former creative right. director of right. Louis Vuitton yes. Men's, who, who passed away last passed year. Away at the age of 41. Yeah, in November yeah. 2021. It's been over a year now. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's that's what's interesting, right? Because we know that Pharrell, again, like as Charles was saying, like she's he's going to bring like incredible creatives, right? He's not he's not going to be the one yeah, that's just like doing it. Yeah, it's not going to be bad. It. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also interesting because when I think of someone like Martine Rose, I'm like, it's been her turn. You know, it's been time mm-hmm. for her to, to lead something. It's been time for her to step in. Like, she's been, you know, in the industry for so does long. Does Martine have her own brand? Yes, yeah, she yes, does. Yes. Martine is like yeah. her name. Yeah, Martine Martine Rose. Rose. yeah mm-hmm. she has an eponymous label. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, again, she's influenced so much of menswear in her own way. Um, she's influenced people like Pharrell, most likely, right? Like, um, he's probably like looking at her wrong with shows and being like, oh, that's sick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when does the turn of the designer... Um, to take that step comes. And uh, I think let that's me interesting. counter you. Ooh. Do you think, because because I often think that when designers like Martine, they take these big positions, their own label suffers. And I think sh- her brand has become, you know, such a force. And, you know, you know, my feeling is that I'm not sure if those positions are as attractive to these young designers as they once were. And that a lot of them, would want to work on their own brand to get to a point where their brands can really stand. Great. Okay, the next item on our agenda that we wanted to discuss <laughs> is something that when I first read it, I was like, what's a mushishish boot? And then I thought maybe it's mischief, but with no vowels. Can yes, someone help me you, out here? I don't I think know you what's would be happening. Correct. I'm, yes. I think you would be correct. Yes, I mean, I, I think you correct. can't, if you, <laughs> for some reason, I'm getting fed like mischief boot content at a rate oh, that is Oh, my TikTok is, is like packed. Full. I, what is this? I've never so seen it. I don't know what like it is. So they look like Papa Smurf boots. Okay. They are red. They are intentionally cartoonish. Okay. Um, what are they made recently, out of? They're made out of kind of like a... I've never like seen a, them in I haven't real seen life. I've never seen them. But they're like a but vacuum they have been sort of, at, like, yeah. because they are just like, I think they're molded but rubber or something, But people were wearing right? them during Fashion Week. They were. We most certainly posted one on Street Style. And yeah. one of my friends texted me. She was like, how many times have you seen their red boots already? And I'm like, I actually, Zero. I haven't. I, but I've seen all of the posts on social media about how people are wearing them all they the time. They don't sound easy to walk in. I No, they don't look great moving. And then Diplo was seen wearing them at a And what is game? mischief? It's this brand that kind of it actually is is quite good at creating these viral moments. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see. Let's have a look. Mischief. This sounds goofy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but it's you know, mischievous. Oh, they, they, <laughs> didn't they do the little the little Nas X um, very controversial shoes that had like blood in them or oh, something? I, did they do oh, that? Oh, they were allegedly a that was I a, think, was a that brand. mischief? Was it with Nike? No, 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 no. it was fake with Nike. Oh but yes, there you it go. It was with Fikey. There you go. Yes, Lia's face right now is the so Satan excited. Shoes. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they made the you know in inverted comma the Satan shoes that little there yeah is, the yes. Satan shoes that had yeah. real blood, blood quote unquote exactly. yeah genius marketing honestly yeah, yeah. excellent to be this viral <laughs> right before Fashion Week too excellent. yeah speaking of going viral I was very confused one thing I did see on my uh, limited Instagram was 
The Panera bag. Oh, yeah. I don't know what this is. Okay, I did see it in person. I did see it in person, what, too. Uh, I'm sorry, can Panera, is Panera smart enough to be like, this is going to be the way we crush Fashion Week? So I think it's just like they yeah, have, I, agree. I think all these companies have really good social media people, and I think that's where mm-hmm. it comes from. That's that's the thing. I think, you know, Lionel. Can you buy it? You can. My friend bought it. And how much At does it Panera? retail for? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to ask her. Um, I should go in, but she she wore it to to area actually to the area show. I think that's where I saw. Yeah, who I do we think person. Ghost designed it? Who do we think Ghost designed it? it? Yeah, is it made out of like nice leather? I like, mean, is I, like, I didn't touch it. But don't you think that they had like the Fendi baguette? Famously, the Fendi baguette was what they called the um, sort of horizontal over the shoulder bag that Carrie Bradshaw made yes. very famous. That comes in. You know, one million types of beading leopard prints, etc. Because it fits snugly under your armpit. There you go. Wow, it was only thirty nine fifty. Thirty nine dollars. The Panera bag. Yeah, it's sold out. I mean, it looks. I'm not mad at it. It's, it looks yeah. like kind of cute. <laughs> it, you know, it basically mm-hmm. it has these uh, you know interlocking P's the way you have the interlocking F's logo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's bright green. I'm not sure what, how that references an actual baguette, but how they landed on that Panera color. Green. It's Panera, Panera green. It's Panera green. It's Panera green. One. <laughs> it's a genius idea. I'm sort of into it. It really and, and is really smart. $39, it's actually And it's, again, it's good. funny. I think that's yeah. sort of what's interesting. Lai and I talk about this all the time about very online people. Yeah. You know, it's like these social media people or marketing people that are on the internet all the time sort of trying to figure out what is working, what isn't, what we were talking about. And Panera has become such a thing, again, on, the, on these little corners of the internet. And all it takes, and these corners are like, again, Gen Z, fashion-y, like subcultures. So, of course, you're like, oh, let's just do this. You do it like very limited run. It's silly. Ten people buy it and like you call it sold out and then you just go viral for like a week. And then, again, you do it right before fashion week. Someone wears it. It ends up in like a, you know, street style page and then. And now I'm like, oh, should I go try some Panera bread? Mm, yeah. I'm actually kind of hungry. The soup is actually kind of good. <laughs> All I had today was a cookie. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> the fashion week. The fa- the fa- <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. like, there's, there's a granola bar in my pocket. So. <laughs> yeah, don't pass out on us. <laughs> because we have next up, we have your top three moments of, of New York Fashion Week so far. Oof. Because you guys have been reviewing, right? Will you, yes. will you give us a sense of what a typical day is like? For a uh, you know a Vogue runway reviewer, you I'm know, disassociating. <laughs> you know that meme <laughs> of Lady Gaga in an interview that goes like, "Bus, club, bus, another club, no sleep." <laughs> it's kind of like that, um, but it's. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, we like, love this it. Is, this is this is actually the dream job, so yes. I can't like. I'm not gonna pretend like it's the not. The dream job can be tiring. It's yes. like, yeah, exactly. It's like the Olympics for but, you guys, yes. right? Exactly. But you know, like it really is the Olympics, and I'm wearing very uncomfortable footwear for that. But you know, it's <laughs> fine. Um, but it's it's funny because. Okay, so one of our days is usually like if we have shows in the morning or present, we usually do appointments in the appointments morning. Appointments in the morning. Uh huh. So then we'll shows. Go, exactly. So we'll do like appointments for showrooms or well, digital what's, releases. What's the morning starting time? Like nine? Nine has, well, I well, did an 8 a.m. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I did an 8 a.m. for a Darte. But like, so oh. sometimes. There's two, there's two reasons why we may do an appointment. One is smaller brands that don't do a runway show. Um, sometimes they just have, you know, set up in a showroom and you just go and you see the clothes and you talk to the designer. And it's by appointment, which is and it's, weird. Yes. Mm-hmm, and it's by appointment. Or um, sometimes for some of the shows that we review, we meet the designers beforehand so we can get the lowdown on the show because when the show ends, 
you don't always have time to go backstage to like go and talk to them, mm-hmm. or also sometimes it's really crazy. Yeah, there's so like you sort of get all your quotes out of so the way. So you got before. to do that with Rodarte. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. Yeah. So I, they were like, "Can you come at eight? And I was like, "For you, yes, I can absolutely." So tell us everything. What was it like seeing the clothing up close? Yeah. So Rodarte, um, they're two sisters from California. They've all they've so they've always been sort of like separate from the fashion system. Mm-hmm. When they started, they were just like. They, like, make all their clothes, and they were all about, like, horror movies and, like, very intense handiwork, and it was all, like, very cinematic. You know, the set this year was all—was a banquet set up, and everything was silver, and on the tables there were, like, fruits, cakes, breads, again, um, (laughs) chandeliers, and everything was covered in silver glitter. So (laughs) they were like, we wanted to do fairies this season, and it's like, of course. So their mom drew these, like, beautiful fairies, and they, like, blew them up in dresses, but being Rodarte, they were like, but they're goth fairies. And I was like, yes. And so when I got to their, like, temporary showroom, they had all these, like, all of the gowns. If you go on the Vogue Runway app, Check out the Rodarte collection. Uh, hashtag ad. Just kidding, though, no, because it's us. Um, but also, they're all like huge gowns with like long sleeves, like very like the whole the first like four looks were basically Morticia Adams. Yeah, you know, yeah, just like it was very, very like Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. So, but many of the gowns were really heavy, so they couldn't hang them. So it was just sort of like a lot of ghost Creepy. dresses laying down, which is exactly so the Rodarte, Rodarte vibe. It's so Rodarte. Yeah. I'm obsessed. So I guess that's one of my favorite things that I saw this, so far this season. Has there been an overarching trend that you've seen? Flora and fauna. <laughs> Flora and it's fauna. Been actually, it's, it's actually very funny because, you know, you were speaking about the fruits at Rodarte and, you know, the fairies. And that day you also went to Kalina. You also reviewed Kalina. And I was actually... What was funny about Kalina Strata is that, you know... The, the show is called Please Don't Eat My Friends. You know, and Colleen is very sustainable. Tell us a, a little bit about Colleen Estrada. Yeah, so Hil- the name of the designer is actually Hillary Tamer. Um, she is just, like, very cool, super downtown, artsy vibe. Um, she makes re- really fun clothes, and, you know, she she has such a specific community around her. But the, the ethos of the brand is very sustainable, super vegan, super, like, you know, you, like, that's that already kind of paints a picture. So then... If I tell you that the show is called Please Don't Eat My Friends and the invitation has two little piglets, like they're talking to each other and it's so cute. Um, but then, you know, I was doing this video for Vogue Club um, with her. So I go to do a, do a preview while she's like fitting, whatever. And she shows me all of these like animal prosthetics. And I'm like, of course. So she turned like, Please Don't Eat My Friends. She turned all of her friends because a lot of the people that walk her models are her friends. So she turned all of her friends into animals and asks, asks, asked us to not eat them. But... Again, we saw a lot of animals at Colina in the prosthetics, which are really fun. Um, then we saw bananas at area. Bananas at area. They also had watermelon and yes. grapes. Then puppets and puppets also had banana bags. <laughs> and, and fried eggs. And fried eggs, which one you have. Yeah. It's amazing. Actually, it's been a very food. Sorry, I have trouble with uh, English is my second language. And so <laughs> I have t- trouble with my O's. Okay. They are similar. So yeah. food. <laughs> it was very food themed um, yes. season because also puppets had the eggs and the bananas yes. and the cookies. So puppets and puppets is, is also downtown brand and they have become famous because they make these like black bags that have a chocolate chip cookie on the front. Okay, and yes. So now they've added like bananas or fried egg and there's so it sounds like there's a lot of like Trump loy puns involved. This. Yeah, yes. very punny and again like flora fauna like so it's been a lot of that, which is quite interesting. I feel like when you said that English isn't your first language, I want to know what 
your first language is? Oh, yeah. I uh, My first language is Spanish because I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. That's why we're like, mi gente. Yeah, we start, yeah. <laughs> We started on the same day. Jose exactly. and I like to joke that we work at Bocrangway. Bocrangway, yeah. I mean, and it was <laughs> it was so funny because you know we walked in and we're wearing the same Telfer bag, orange, <laughs> orange medium chopper bag. Yeah, orange Spanish medium chopper. Spanish is both of our first language. Yeah, yeah. Spanish is both of our first languages. Yeah. It's just like you know. So Jose, where were you born? I was born and raised in La Paz, Bolivia, um, and I moved to the U.S. For, um, when I for college in like 2014. Yeah. And when did you move here? Uh? I moved to the U.S. for college in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Off the record. <laughs> awesome. Now, what, explain the Tory Renaissance. Tory Burch. Yeah, Tory, Tory Burch. Who's sort of having the Tory. Yeah, she's having a moment yeah. and she earned yeah. all of those moments. Tory Renaissance. So, the story is... The here's, the, here's the story. Here's the story. The story is that Tori, you know, she used to be CEO and creative director. And then last year or two years ago. I think two now. Two years ago, she stepped away from being CEO. Mm-hmm. And she only has time. Well, to her husband. To her, to husband. her husband. Yes, yes. Exactly. But now all she does is just, you know, make well, can beautiful Can we just clothes. say who her husband is? Cause it's yes, her husband yeah. is Pierre-Yves Roussel, who was not just anybody. I mean, he was the CEO of LVMH. It's um, a big get for Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. she had to marry him, but she got him. <laughs> So basically, the first collection, which was like sp- spring 20, I don't know what Two, year it is, 22, probably. Yeah, probably 22, 21. Basically, Tori was like, ooh, remember Claire McCardo, this like classic American sportswear designer of like, you know, the 50s. And she was like, I remember Claire McCardo. Let's do Claire McCardo vibes. So it's all like easy dresses with pockets and like, you know, cute shirt dresses and stuff but I feel like what really made it cool was that she it was very weird and the color palette was Mm -hmm. super weird and there was like color blocking and it was like you know it's cute enough that it didn't alienate I I think doesn't alienate her like base customer but then all of the fashion people are like whoa I think what's interesting about what's happening at Tori right now is that a lot of fashion people that are really getting into it can recognize a lot of really interesting references, right? So, for example, last season, there was this, um, there's this beautiful Margiela collection that's, like, I think, spring 1997 that is all, um, like, bodices from mannequins, right? And then they even say, like, Maison Margiela, where they would say, like, just the the, the, the name of the form or the brand or whatever. Um, and they are, like, really beautiful shapes. So, you know, there was that reference. There's there's some Pradaisms there that people recognize from the 90s. There's a lot of these little, like, tidbits of fashion that we all love that we have seen a lot of designers resurface that she sort of, like, her and her team, you can tell, are just very aware and, like, very into fashion. And then she's starting to finally steal a lot of these little moments that she's into or her team are into, into her collection. So then when you see them all together, you're like, Oh, that's a really cool interpretation of this idea from like back, you know, ten years ago or twenty or whatever, and that is is really interesting. And the price point is right. And the price point is right. We love Tori. Yeah, By we. I mean me. Yeah, and you know, I had I had this very cool fashion. Like one of my my highlights of fashion was that when we were sitting at Tori, um, I was right behind the boss, and it was it's just one of those things that I was like, oh, I really do have this job. 
you know, I, we started at the you same time. You were staring at a perfectly groomed exactly. bob. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, my, my finale video, like, you can tell, like, she, you can see, like, a little bit of the bob and the, the sunglasses. And I'm just, and, like, my mom replied and she was like, this is crazy. And I'm like, girl, I know. Trust. <laughs> you know? Again, like, it's, it just, it was one of those moments, like, my pinching moment, pinch me fashion. was that. Mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, wow, like, this is a fashion show. Thank you guys so much. I learned everything. And um, good luck with the end of Fashion Week and future Fashion Week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much for for having having us. us. Oh, God, I didn't say thank you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that is actually really funny. The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone. It's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you. Vogue's first-ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com slash membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? Hey, Run Through listeners. Are you curious about what goes on behind the scenes at Vogue and in the world of fashion? Join Vogue Club, a -a one-of-a-kind fashion community where you can unlock exclusive access to Vogue editors, industry players, and fellow members, as well as receive expert style advice, tickets to VIP events, hand-picked gifts, and so much more. Visit VogueClub.com today and get 20% off using promo code THERUNTHROUGH20. That's VogueClub.com, promo code THERUNTHROUGH20. This is The Run-Through, and I'm Chloe Mao. Last week, we taped an interview with the designer Erdem. He's one of the biggest names in London fashion and one of my personal faves. You've seen his dresses on the cover of Vogue and on everyone from Keira Knightley to the Duchess of Cambridge. He is showing at London Fashion Week this weekend, and we wanted to talk to him in advance about his creative process. Since we taped that interview, however, the unimaginable happened. A horrific 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit eastern Turkey and northern Syria. More than 41,000 people have been reported dead. So we reached out to Erdem again this week to check in on his family. Yeah, Chloe, my father was from eastern Turkey. Um, he was from a specific area called Hatay, which is a province in eastern eastern Turkey. And specifically, he was from a city of Antakya. Okay. Um, and and maybe you might know the name Antakya because it was on the New York Times. There was a, a very shocking title that came out just last week that said, no more Antakya with a statement that the entire city has been wiped out. Oh, my God. It was the most horrific thing to read. Uh, both my parents passed away when I was when I was quite young, but I still have so many family members living there. Um, thankfully, everyone is safe and sound. Wow. Uh, but 
what is so important to get across is how many people are now displaced right. and obviously without anywhere to live. So the need for support is greater than ever. So this past weekend, all profits from .com and our flagship store in London here went to both the British Red Cross and also a foundation called the AHBAP. Okay. Which is a Turkish foundation, the Foundation of Anatolian People and Peace Platform, uh, which is a nonprofit organization based in Turkey. Um, and they have been incredibly quick to react to the um to implementing support. How did you find that organization? Through actually family members that live in Turkey. Oh so wow. I encourage everyone to to support both the AHBAP and also over here, we support the British Red Cross in America. I imagine it's just the Red Cross. Right. Um, but um, any any support is 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 fantastic, and um, and it's so it's so so needed at the moment. Do you have a specific memory of Antakya that you keep thinking about the past week or so, or or anything? Well, I remember. You know, I remember my grandmother. I remember my aunt, and I, and my you know my immediate family. But I I think that the memory that stands out um, is is going to the museum of archaeology that was just so amazing there with my sister and and um, we dug out kind of all of these old pictures of us there and um, wow. and um, of course there's there's so many so many amazing memories. Any new sites that you found really helpful about learning what's happening on the ground there? I've always felt like the BBC is so measured generally in, in the coverage, but I think the most important thing is is now more than ever, you know, help is help is needed. Mm. And I think that's, that's probably the most important thing to, to get across. Well, we're so grateful to you for leading the charge on keeping everyone focused on this because, as we know, the media cycle tends to move away from things after they happen. And I think it's important that we we keep focusing on on how much this is going to be an ongoing tragedy for people there. Absolutely. And, and Chloe, thanks so much. It was so, it was so great to reconnect on this. And it's so important. So thank you. Thanks, Erdem. Bye. Gosh, that's just so harrowing. I mean, who would have thought that even that this... I know, and we taped with him prior to that, and our conversation was very different. Um, we had caught up with him via Zoom, and I hadn't seen him in, since, I think, before the pandemic. Um, I met him maybe 10 years ago. I always love wearing his dresses. I think they're so feminine and appealing and elegant. Um, but it was a treat to be able to talk to him about what his process looks like. And also just, he, he lives a very, um, very uh, thoughtfully tasteful life. And uh, it's fun to talk to him about all of the things he likes to do and see and appreciate. Yeah, I mean, so obviously the, the tone of this interview that you're going to, to hear is quite different. Hi, Artem. I'm so happy to see you. Shoma and Chloe, it looks like we're about to record an album together. I know, I doesn't what it? Our group would be called. 
What would it be called? Maybe it's not en vogue, but in vogue. Or, yes. That was one of the original titles for the podcast, right? In vogue, wasn't it? No. In vogue. I much prefer your new title, which is my favorite British, Turkish, Canadian fashion designers. But I think it's so niche because, like, I mean, there's not many of us out there, but I'm excited about who you'll do next. <laughs> your um your objects of affection video was quite the hit and everybody's quite obsessed with the alarm clock. Yes, that yeah. can't be an alarm clock. Yes, tell us more. Co- I've never I heard of, the... a, of an alarm clock that's also a coffee maker. Yes, I mean, what more do you want from a from an alarm <laughs> clock that gives you a drip black coffee? Um, it's good, I used it this morning. Um, and when, it, when it's early and it's still dark outside and you can smell coffee, that's like the nicest way to wake up. It was a gift from your husband? It was a gift from my husband, yeah. Philip, he's actually very good at um he's very good at giving gifts. And now I'm I'm gonna go blank on every single other gift he's um given me, but he is he is generally a very good um gift giver. And for those of people who don't know, your husband Philip Joseph is an architect and he designed your house. Yes. Is that ever stressful? I feel like sometimes when I'm in, you know, we renovated our house and I was like God damn the architect. Why does this look like this? Are there ever frictions like that or not really? Um, no, because I think Philip, we've known each other since college. So we know, we just know each other so well. And he's, I think the whole way through, he had such a clear vision. And, and also specific, like our house is built in the 1820s. So more than anything, it was about like this kind of restoration. Right. Like Philip had such like love for the bones of the house. It's a townhouse in Bloomsbury, correct? Yeah, correct. That was yeah. owned by the same woman for 50 years? Yes, she oh. moved in 1953 and she died at 103. God wow. bless. Was she a, she a famous painter? Not particularly famous, famous but she was a portrait painter and she comes from like a kind of long line of of artists and but also strangely um she's a twin. And oh wow. I'm, wow. A, I'm a twin. And also Philip's a twin. Philip's a twin too. That I've never yeah. heard of twins marrying. Twi- I mean, that, I guess it makes sense, but that's day. cool. <laughs> <Do you> guys- <laughs> and also, oh Philip God. has older twin brothers. No, so he has- gosh, yes. Oh, his poor mother. <laughs> Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> this past spring collection, I loved reading about how it started with you going to visit the museums and seeing behind the scenes of how they're restoring pieces. But what happens from there? Do you then go back to the studio with your team and you just start sketching or are there, what are, what are the steps from that point? One thing, for example, we were talking to um, Larry Keith, who's the chief restorer at the National Gallery. And he was restoring a 15th century painting that was so kind of, um, far gone, one of the corners was completely destroyed. And he was using a Dutch etching that had been done in the 17th century of the painting to inform how he could go about restoring the painting. So, Wow. I know that you love portrait, and I have to ask you, have you been to the Lynette Yudiam Barakesh exhibit at the yes. Tate? I just thought, what did you think? I thought it was one of the most beautiful, powerful things I've ever seen. And I thought it was so beautifully curated and she's an amazing 
person artist she she has in the past she's often come to the show actually oh, she wow. loves she loves fashion and she's incredibly she? stylish yeah she has she's she's really i mean you can tell from her paintings because yes all of the portraits she doesn't she paints from memory i mean she doesn't they're all kind of imagined characters mm. she doesn't use people to she doesn't have sittings and they're all so fabulously dressed intentional very quiet minimalist but you really get a sense that she has an eye for fashion oh my god i'd die to have her on (laughs) yeah we should get her on yeah i love that you've shown at the national portrait gallery why hold shows in those kind of environments those because i think you can really get a sense of how your love of portraiture too and how the the clothes and the collections kind of are in conversation with the environment there's something kind of interesting when you you have these eight minutes to take an audience somewhere and you present these ideas that you've been working on for the last six months. And the last show was at the British Museum. It was all to do with the idea of restoration. Myself and, and, and the design team, we went to the V&A to research how textiles are preserved. We were working with the British Museum to look at how ancient objects are pre- preserved. Um, oh, that National- must have been fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting. It was almost like the, the the venue kind of informed actually where I would go with the collection. And I'd shown in the British Museum the year before. And and as you said, Shoma, the, the National Portrait Gallery is also somewhere where I've I've loved showing and it's um it's uh it's such a wonderful, uh, special place. Didn't you show on the eve of the state funeral of the Queen? I did, I did. Showing in the the British Museum, we were in the the colonnade, the exterior colonnade. So you were you were kind of protected from the elements, and it was just as the sun was going down. And of course, um, of course, the, the flags would be at half mast. But I I I didn't realize, of course, you know, that there's a there's a huge flag, a huge Union Jack in the middle of the British Museum that was flying at half mast. Oh mask. wow! So made, it was um it was uh it was such a kind of incredibly um sad but also kind of moving uh moment it was such a strange and also kind of quite surreal you know and of course when everything was happening there were you know there were questions of what was going to happen during London and London fashion and the timing of everything it was interesting we all kind of I think all of us in our own way kind of reflected on her and what she meant to all of us individually yeah I I did love the the, the the black veils. I I don't know if that was intentional. Was that an that was, addition? Was or? that an addition, or did you always were you always planning on having those beautiful kind of? It was very melancholic and beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It was um, well. In truth, we when we were researching at the VNA, we were looking at how um, costumes are preserved and looking at these like kind of covers and how they would almost like veil the kind of. The, the garments to protect them from from, mm. from light. That's damage. interesting. So it was more about that. <laughs> Erdem, will you just take us back a little bit? Tell us a little bit about where you were born, where you grew up. I was born in Montreal. I was born in Canada. And Erdem's a Turkish name. Mm-hmm. So my father was Turkish from Eastern Turkey. From, my mother was from um, the Midlands. So from Birmingham. Mm. Uh, from George from, Eliot land, no? Birmingham's a very special place. Okay. It's a, uh, Choba, I don't know how to kind of explain. I didn't realize you were part Brummie. Is that what yes. we call someone from Birmingham? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Brummy, very, and my mom was really from like a Brummy part of Birmingham. Funnily enough, <laughs> what's an um, attribute of someone who's Brummy? Like a very working class. Okay, like, is this like uh, cottage pie and sausage and mash type of in- environment? Yes, let's okay. go with that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember um, when you first fell in love with fashion? Was it as a kid or older? I was always preoccupied with um, fashion in the sense that I was always um, I was always fascinated by by women. I was, and I remember particularly like my mom and my mother's friends. I was always really always so interested in 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 what they wore, how they walked, how they talked. I I loved all things that were kind of feminine and female. Um, I also think maybe. That has something to do with having a twin sister. Um, mm-hmm. So having someone who's, you know, a part of you and but also someone who's, of course, like the opposite, the opposite as well. And and yeah, I was always kind of very fascinated by kind of the kind of the language of the feminine. I even remember as a child kind of drawing just women. I was interested in drawing women. Everyone else was were drawing like trees and apples and I drew women. <laughs> Generally with big skirts. Oh, wow. <laughs> I heard you also interned with, with Vivian Westwood. Obviously passed did, away yeah. very recently. Yeah. What was, what was that experience like? That was, that was amazing. And that was actually before the Royal College of Art. So that was while I was still doing my um, BA. And it was in um, like 1999, 2000. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. I remember actually the first day I was like given the task of cutting jersey, like a silk jersey that was impossible to cut. And oh I wow! Didn't know how to do it, and I, of course, like made a huge mess of it. And I was kind of sent away to like, to, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is like this has ended before it started. But I was sent away to work in the archives. Oh, that is hysterical! They thought was like, um, you know, I was. It was like my. I thought it was, you know, terrible that I'd been sent away from the atelier and um, but actually ended up being kind of extraordinary to see all of those collections, you know, storm in a teacup and these Mr. Pearl corsets and, um, you know, everything, the kind of the history of 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 this huge body of work that was that were that was hers and and, and eventually Andres's. And um, it's amazing. I loved it. It was such a you know, it was there that I understood I really wanted to, you know, finish studying in London. It was there I understood I wanted to start my own label. It was, it was, I think, you know, her, her vision and her view of history and, and femininity, all of these things were so, you know, extraordinary, like the way she cuts the, you know, um, she's, she's so, um, she was so uh, incredibly important actually. And, um, I, uh, yeah. It was did you amazing. stay in touch with her? I didn't, I didn't. And it was, um, you know, you kind of, as an intern, you kind of sure. you know, you pass <laughs> through and, um, but I did many years later say I interned with you and it was such an important thing. And uh, we were at, we were at, a, at, a, at the same event and, and she was, she was wonderful. Hmm. We would love to talk to you about biopics and um, your love of Madonna and we saw a lot of Madonna yeah. on your Instagram <laughs> yeah the biopic has been cancelled cancelled <laughs> thoughts 
Well, I um, I have my Madonna Mondays, as you know, and um, <laughs> I think she is. Well, the big question is the tickets, like like getting tickets for like the farewell tour. Which we were um, talking about that yesterday. Challenge. Um, it's um no, it's it's it's. I um. Do you have your tickets I, yet? I don't have my tickets. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out who, what, where, when. But I um. Huh. I do love her. And um, there'll always be a Madonna Monday. Have you ever seen Madonna perform? I have. Yeah, I have. And I actually, I have worked with her. I made her something for the oh, um, wow. American Music Awards. Wow. And actually, Madonna is how I came to work with Ibrahim Kamara, who's uh, amazing. And Ibrahim and I worked together for three years. Fantastic stylist and um, the editor-in-chief of ID describe the look that you made it was like a polka dot lace um uh dress and it was very kind of like with a pussy bow very like belle de jour oh love and i'm curious i would love to know a little bit about your dog because i thought that (laughs) she was really the star of your objects of affection video well, Chloe, I have to confess, it's my it's my sister's dog. <gasps> I'm 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 a oh. co-parent, but I she was she 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 loves Vogue, Pippi, the cockapoo. <laughs> and so she wanted to She had to it. be in the video. She voiced her she voiced her she voiced <laughs> her Where does the name Pippi come from? Uh, uh, Pippi, Pippi Longstocking, but oh, she's very, my favorite. Very, um, she's, she's very much, uh, my, my sister's dog, but I take her, I have, um, I often have weekend custody of, of Pippi. Oh, honestly, as the owner of a very loud, very demanding dog, part-time ownership of a dog is really the way to go. I highly <laughs> recommend. <laughs> also a dog in New York, I imagine comes oh, with challenges. Nightmare. <laughs> so Erdem, I heard from Mark Holgate, who is uh, Vogue's fashion news director. And um, I know a, an old friend of yours that his favorite restaurant in London is Shea Erdem. You're quite the, uh, apparently there's a, a mean fish pie that's coming out of your kitchen. That's a huge compliment. Mark and I also go to the Hollywood Diner on Sixth <laughs> Avenue, so I'm worried that maybe his like, but maybe comparing to some other places we go to. But I, I will take the compliment. <laughs> I love cooking. Philip is very much a baker. Okay. Um, he does. He likes desserts, and I am. I am much more. That's interesting because I feel like architecture is so precise, and to be a baker, you really have to be precise. So that that fits. And you're more creative in your endeavors. What what's what's the Erdem specialty? I I like a Sunday roast, mm. so I'm very good mm. at. I, I hope I'm not sure if either of you are vegetarian, but I like a like a lamb shank. I okay. like a good roast potato. Um, I'm I'm into a good stodgy kind of English. Is that a very brummy brummy? What did you call it? Someone from Birmingham. <laughs> Um, I would say it's a general English thing. Okay. Yeah. The, the Sunday roast is. It's what I you would, do on on Sunday. Yeah, it's like a pub yes. a pub lunch as well. It's like what yeah. you do go you go to the pub and you have a, a well, roast. Or it's you go to Adams. We go to you go to Adams. Yes, and then you have a a, a bath afterwards. <laughs> this is the dream Sunday. <laughs> I wish you all the best for the show. Oh, um, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm very flattered. 
I can't wait to see you in. We want New you to York? come back to yeah. uh, the Hollywood Diner, and we'll we'll see you there. <laughs> exactly. Stay exactly. at the Hollywood Diner. So, Erdem's fashion show is this Sunday, uh, February 19th, and you can see all of the looks on Vogue Runway. And again, if you would like to donate to the Turkish-Syrian earthquake relief efforts, go to theredcross.org, or as Erdem suggested, ahbap.org. Thank you for listening to the show this week. Bye. Run Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Cho Minardi, And we'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 